appreciate hearing Sister Henson and the girls saying. I was in Livonia yesterday, and I preached at Galilee, and you guys can just do what you want to do. But a lady came up to me, and she said, do you remember the Hensons? And they used to go to you guys' church when you were in Ypsilanti. I don't remember her name. She was about 100 years old. But, uh, and then I get to see you today, so that's a blessing. I appreciate you. And pray for Roger every day. I know he's had some health issues. But it's good to be here. Good to be here tonight. And thank God for the opportunity to be with you this few days. I do have a book table back there. I, I'm not embarrassed to uh, talk about it because I need to sell the books. They're not going to do my wife any good after I'm dead. She can't eat them. But uh, I edit a daily devotional called The Baptist Bread, and there's several of them back there on the table. They're free samples. You can get them. Maybe I should have passed them out before because when the sermon gets boring, you'd have something to read and keep your attention. But this is a new, my new book just came out uh, within a week or two ago. The Great I Am still is. And uh, I hope you can get some of those. I also have some CDs back there. I have, the, I have a lot of ringing up here. Does this need to be moved, preacher? No, sir. Uh, okay. We'll leave it there then. <laughs> yeah, um, I got a CD. I, I just read a book. Uh, I hate to even mention this. I just read a book within the last month, Evidence Not Seen. And it's the autobiography of Darlene Rose. I don't know if I've read a book in, my, in the 21st century, I know, that's affected me any more than that book. Just a tremendous, I don't have any to sell, but uh, I do have her giving her testimony for an hour on a CD back there, and I don't have a lot of them. That's why I wish I wouldn't have mentioned it. But I have those, and I have a tr the best missionary story I have ever heard in my life called Sammy Rings the Bell, and it's back there. And I have uh, some of my devotionals that I have written, three of those, and a couple of other books that I have written. And I also, I don't know how many of you would remember a great preacher in our country, evangelist by the name of Kenny McComas. Dr. McComas is in his 90s, and he called me up about three or four years ago, and he said, Tim, I want to give you all of my books. And you have to go pick them up in Tennessee. And I said, okay. So I hired somebody to go pick them up. I didn't have anything to pick them up. He had 3,000 pounds of books. And so I have a, a, seven of his books that he wrote uh, back there on the table. And I don't have, I got, I think, 12 or 20 sets. I don't know how many I have. But you can buy seven of his books for 10 bucks. And uh, the book on B.R. Lakin, the autobiography of B.R. Lakin, is excellent. Uh, the book on holy living and uh, Holy Spirit uh, is excellent. Uh, the book on uh, Calvinism is excellent. And the rest of them are just mediocre. Uh, I'm just being honest with you. And then I have, many, many years ago, I got involved with a film company. We made a lot of Christian films, 10 or 12 films. And the last two that we made, was this, one was called The Second Coming, and the other one was called The Grim Reaper. Uh, also the same people that made The Burning Hell and, and those kind of films back in the day, in the 70s. But I have, uh, I, I have a lot of those at home too. So I'm selling The Second Coming and The Grim Reaper. They're all in one package. You can have them for $5. And that's uh, two 60-minute films. They're probably they're really strong uh, soul-winning uh, films. 
So that's all of the commercial that I'm going to give tonight. I want you to look in your book, if you would, to the 12th chapter of the book of Revelation. I am, uh, I'm a little embarrassed to confess this, but I'm going to, just because I think it's a good thing to be honest in the pulpit. I, I have been preaching since October of 1970. This is the only message that I have on this topic in nearly 49 years of preaching. Now, I have mentioned this topic probably in every sermon I've ever preached, but this is the only message that I have on this particular topic. In my estimation, it's the greatest topic that I know of in all of the book of God. It's a place where we're going to spend eternity. It's a place where we're going to go one day that is beyond our comprehension what it's like. What I'm going to talk to you about tonight will not even scratch the bottom, let alone the surface of this place that I want to talk to you about. Now, I know there are men here that are wonderful expositors of the Word of God. This is not an exposition of the Word of God. This is a topical message on heaven. And I want to talk to you tonight, and I'm an evangelist. We just take verses and say what we want to say. We don't, we don't worry about it all that, because we're going to leave anyway, and, and the, the pastor can straighten it out when we're gone. I, I don't even care, you know. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven. The definition of the word wonder, it's arrests. It astonishes. It is unprecedented. It surpasses all of our previous experience. There are the wonders of childhood. You know, when a baby takes his first step or says his first word. Maybe a butterfly or the cocoon uh, that the caterpillar went into and the butterfly came from would be a wonder to a child. Heaven's wonders are encapsulated into right manhood by the Apostle Paul. He was stoned at Lystra, you're aware of, and the Bible said that he went up into the third heaven there were wonders there that even with all of his oratorical skills, he was not able to discuss. Matter of fact, he never spoke about it for 14 years. It was indescribable to him what he saw. And I say to you tonight, that place called heaven is indescribable. It is beyond our comprehensions, but it is a place where we will be as welcome and as at home as we have ever been anywhere in our life. I want you to consider this phrase. I saw a great wonder. Heaven in and of itself is a wonder. Matter of fact, it is the seat and center of all wonder. Wonder is enthralled there. Its empire is heaven. Heaven is truly a wonderland. Everything that is wonderful, that surpasses, that enthralls, that transcends, 
that thrills is collected in heaven's grand place of wonderment. Its walls are salvation and its gates are grace. It is called Hephzibah and the land of Beulah. John's revelatory description is beyond our imagination. And the apostle Paul seemed to sum up how wonderful it was with words that didn't explain anything. But I hath not seen nor ear heard the things that God has prepared for those that love him. You know, I don't know who the pastor is at this church, but he must be short. I've even got my bifocals on and I can hardly read my notes. My soul. Thank God when I get to heaven, I'll have 2020 back again. Then contemplate with me a moment. The great wonder was not heaven, but what or who was seen there. There was a man child with whom a woman had travailed. John was caught up to God and his throne. John knew the extremes of Jesus. He knew about the manger. He knew about the swaddling clothes. He was the one who placed his head on Jesus' breast at the Last Supper. He knew that Jesus had no place to lay his head even though foxes had dens and the birds of the air had their nests, but the Son of Man had not where to lay his head. He saw him hungry in the morning and exhausted at night. He saw him in the garden. He was there when he was arrested. He was there at the trial, the crucifixion. He heard the Savior's last dying request when he said to John, Behold thy mother. He was there in the upper room. He was there at the breakfast at the beach and there at the Mount of Olives when he ascended into heaven. The ultimate extreme perhaps for you and I is found in Ephesians 2 and 8 where it says, For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourself. Thank God it is the gift of God. One's heart should leap within him like John Baptist when he was in Elizabeth's womb. When Jesus came in his mother's womb, the great wonder is that the God of heaven sent his son to this earth and he's the one that opened heaven's gates for all who have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I like Luke 7 and 48. You know, there was a woman there with her hair soaked with her own tears after wiping the feet of Jesus. And Jesus said to her, and I'm glad he said it to me, and I rejoice that he said it to all of us, thy sins be forgiven thee. What a wonderful thing it is tonight to know that our sins are forgiven. And our transport to heaven is guaranteed by the grace of God. One day, one day, the wonder of it all will burst across the bow of your life like a thousand sunrises on the ocean of life. And our eyes will behold him and not else. 
The Bible says in the Revelation chapter 1 and verse 17, and every eye shall see him. Oh, the old song goes like this. The bride eyes not her garment, but her dear bridegroom's face. I will not gaze at glory, but on my king of grace. Not at the crown he giveth, but at his pierced hand. The lamb is all the glory in Emmanuel's land. Samuel Rutherford was intoxicated with God's grace. And he said this, if I could but look at him through the keyhole of heaven, I would be satisfied. I'm thankful we don't have to look through the keyhole of heaven. I revel in this, a far greater wonder. There's no greater wonder to me than Jesus is there. For it is his father's house. And when I awake and find myself there and recognize that I'm at home also, having been made meat, having been made meat to the least of his servants. And at last, for the first time in all of my immortal existence, to be delivered from this hell-born flesh that I have lived with nearly 70 years now, that has poisoned every day of my life. I will be free, 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 set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. Free from that which besought all the best joys of my life. Oh, tell me, angels of glory, that I do not belong. I do belong because of Jesus. Now, there's three wonders we've mentioned. Heaven itself, Jesus, and us being there, so say all the redeemed. But may we rejoice a moment in this. The wonder. We've been there a while now. We've gathered ourselves. We're past that first flush of wonderment. We walked around Zion. We've told her towers. We've marked her bulwarks. We've considered her palaces. And we have settled into our mansion. And an angelic being comes one day and knocks at the door of my eternal home. And I open the door and he says, what think ye? What think ye of this place? Oh, it is a sight beyond all comprehension. I read a report in recent days of a home that is supposedly the world's largest home, largest house. A lady began to build it in 1890 in California. That house today covers over 14 acres of land. Its original owner, she thought that if she kept building this house, that she would never die. She was obsessed with that notion. It's just a labyrinth of rooms and staircases and roofs and walls and windows that go nowhere. 14 acre house. I want to say something about that monstrosity. 
it's probably like a tar paper shack compared to the place we are going. Oh my. John said in 21 and 2 of the book of the Revelation, and I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. It's a celestial city where we will abide citizens who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. It is of a new design and a new concept, new architecture, new location, new purpose, new style, new size, new material. There is no city on earth that comes anywhere near that great place. Mexico City in all of its largeness, New York City, Tokyo, they're mere villages in comparison to that place where we're going. Revelation 21 and 6 said it is 12 furlongs each way. About 1,500 miles high, 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles deep. The book of the Revelation in 21.10 calls it a great city. It is not of the world capital. It is the capital of the universe. It is gigantic yet gorgeous. Now the Bible says there are three gates on each side. So three entrances. I think they would open up into grand boulevards. Streets of gold would intersect each other through that great city. If you have three coming this way and three coming this way, it would divide that city into 16 cubes. Each one of those cubes. Now I went to high school. And I went to college before I went to Bible college. And I took algebra in college. And I, I know a little bit about math. And so I did some math work. But if you get your pen and paper out and I make a mistake, don't tell me about it. Each one of those cubes would be 18 million acres each. In that city, there are 2.3 billion acres of property. It's as high as it is wide and deep. If, now you think about this. If our mansion is just one city block and you, you're on the bottom floor, let's say, and your mansion is as high as the Empire State Building. I think that'd be enough for most of you. <laughs> Your mansion on each level, here's the bottom level, go up high as the Empire State Building, another level, and go up and that again, way up there. There would be 625 million blocks on each level. 7.5 million streets in that city. If it's as high as the Empire State Building, I don't know, I, I got it written down here. There will be 937 trillion, 500 billion blocks 
in that city. I mean, there, 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 there is room up there for 937 trillion, 500 billion people in those blocks of city, enough room for a thousand times as many people who have ever been born from Adam till now. It ain't gonna be crowded, neighbor. My soul. And that's just if your mansion's a city block and as high as the Empire State Building. Be wonderful, won't it? John, my brother here, he was the third one in our family. He's a, he would fit real good in this pulpit because he's short. You might remember this guy, John. I don't remember his name, Brother Olet. You might even remember him. He's from Michigan. Dad used to have a guy come to the church. And when he would come, we would go pick up the grand piano over here and bring it and put it on the pulpit. Several of us strong fellas would do that. John would bring the bench, the piano bench, put it there. Then some would go and get the organ and bring it up there. And John would get the bench and bring it up there. And this man, I don't remember his name, but he would sit there and he would play the organ and the piano at the same time. And I don't remember any other song that he used to sing, but he used to sing a song that had lyrics like this. In heaven, there'll be 50 miles of elbow room on either side to spare. Tell you, it is a wonderful place. Jesus said this about it. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. Oh, it's a palace that the Prince of Glory has built for us. The one who broke the bread and fish and fed thousands. He will meet all of our needs and we will be welcome over there. For the Bible says the spirit and the bride say come. Oh, it's a sight beyond comprehension. We, the spiritual seed of Abraham, the fallen sons of Adam. I don't know, the Bible says in heaven there's a, it's like a sea of crystal, and you can see through it. It's clear as crystal. I don't know if this would be true or not, but in my imagination, when we get there and look down through that sea of glass and recognize the pit from which we were dug and the rock from which we were hewn and observe the path of life that God has designed for us, how unsearchable are his riches and his ways past finding out. Oh, the wonder of it all, the wonder of it all is that Jesus loves us. We'll see the wheel in the middle of the wheel and the wonderful workings of God. The choir opened tonight with a song. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's vein. That song was written by William Cooper. Now in our songbooks, it's spelled C-O-W-P-E-R until I went to Cooper's house in, uh, 
only England. I thought that's how you pronounce C-O-W-P-E-R was Cooper. I mean Cowper. But it's pronounced Cooper over there. And so, you know, I'm, I'm Scotch-Irish, so I changed it. I start even, I don't care how it's spelled, I'm going to pronounce it the way they do. William Cooper. He wrote that great song. He wrote this also. Oh, he said this. Well, I was in his, in his home, and I saw this on the wall. He said this, talking about his conversion. He said, I am surely the only convert in all of England that was made in Bedlam. Now, Bedlam, and we talk about Bedlam, that's like the nut house. But in England, that was the name of the nut house. Like in our state, uh, Michigan, where I grew up, it was Kalamazoo. And if you went to Kalamazoo, everybody knew you were a nut. Or if your uncle went there, they knew he was a nut. You know, I learned this not long ago. Every family has a weird uncle. And if you don't have one, you're it. That's what I heard now. He said this. He wrote this deep and unfathomable minds of never failing skill. He treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. He is his own interpreter and he will make it plain. There's a song that's often sung in our day. We'll understand it better by and by. Now it's well beyond the world the realm of our sorrows and our tears and a place where dwells those who believe his promises. And we grasp tonight the final wonder of seeing our loved ones. Everyone in a place, a special place. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. The psalmist said, when I awake, I'll be satisfied. Oh, we'll meet in the morning by the bright riverside in that temple of truth, in the light of his love and the arms of our gracious Redeemer and our labors will be rewarded and we'll hear from him, well done. I think it's more than graduation day. I think it's coronation day. Many years ago, I don't know how long ago, Mrs. Carl Lackey, who was one of the greatest ladies I ever met in my life, I was asked to preach her funeral. Carl Lackey was great soul winner, is right. Brother Lackey was in a wheelchair. And I preached, I will, I preached. I preached the funeral. And we all went out to the cemetery right beside the church. There were over 100 preachers. It was 102 or 103 preachers. And we held hands and made a ring around that grave that was going to entomb the earthly remains of that precious lady. At the funeral, someone said, we would like to have all the men that are preachers today that Mrs. Lackey won to Christ either when they were teenagers, when they were young boys, or when they were grown men. 61 men stood to their feet that were pastoring churches, that were evangelists, that were missionaries, that that precious woman 
led to Jesus Christ. I don't know a woman in America. I don't know if there's ever been a woman in the world that has led 61 men to the Lord and boys to the Lord that became preachers. It's phenomenal. I preached that somewhere, I think down in South Georgia. I didn't know this. The pastor said to me, he said, there were 62 of us. I said, what do you mean? He said, Mrs. Lackey led me to Christ and I wasn't at the funeral. 62, 62 boys and men that became preachers. We stood around her grave. I stood next to Dr. Lackey. He's in his wheelchair. We were, everyone was holding hands. And while we were standing there, I think another preacher was doing the committal. And he squeezed my hand real hard. And I looked down at him. And he looked up at me. And in his country language, he said, you done good, boy. You're not going to believe this. But I've had people criticize me. I've had people say bad things about me. But about every time that happens, I think about an old man of God sitting in a wheelchair. You're done good, boy. Everything else fades into nothingness. And one of these days, we're going to hear it from the lips of our dear Lord. Cowper's last poem, or Cooper's last poem, was called The Castaway. It had a line in it, Come away, O downcast soul. What a wonderful thing. All the tears will be wiped away. There'll be no contest in glory. There'll be no arguments there. Never. No misunderstandings. No unkind words. No bad thoughts. No dirty language. No filthy television shows. No filthy television shows. No godless internet. Hallelujah. Oh. You know, you know I thought about this today. I think the only argument I'm ever going to have when I get to heaven will be with the Apostle Paul. Because he said, I am the chief of sinners. I like to think. I know what my life was like. I know what my life's been like. Paul, I think I was the chief. You know, I bet you about everybody in this room could have that same argument with the Apostle Paul. Oh, my mother's there. My kid brother Steve's there. My little sister's there. I couldn't tell you how many preacher friends of mine are there. By the scores, it seems like. Just about every time the phone rings. Brother so-and-so died. Brother so-and-so passed away. Sister so-and-so died. We'll see him again. I'm as confident of that as I am standing here in this place tonight. Oh, oh, the wonder of it all.